I want to speak on deconstructing prophecies. This construction is not a big word. It simply means to do a detailed analysis of something. Deconstructing prophecies. For instance, we had the Codred Revival. How many of us were blessed? Codred Revival. How many of us were blessed? Hallelujah. You know, so one of the highlights of the Codred Revival was, you know, prophetic declarations. We received prophecies, you know, that this is going to happen, that is going to happen. And one of the things I've realized is that most times uh, when major meetings like that take place, the effect wears off people's life over the weeks. And most times the average person, there's a feedback sound, the average person, you know, cannot really point to something in their life, in their business, in their career, you know, as a result of that kind of a meeting. And that's why I've said over and over again that great meetings don't make people great. It is great decisions made as a result of great meetings, right, that leads to great results. I want to start out this morning by saying that God's ultimate goal, and I know this might come to someone as a shock, is not to meet your needs. Because we live in a consumer generation, and that mindset has unconsciously filtered into the church, such that when the average person comes into the house of God, their attention, their focus is usually on what God can do for me. When you check the prayer point of the average person, it's about what God can do. That's why, you know, it has been statistically proven that most Africans, when they migrate or relocate, you know, to the Western world, most times they lose their faith. They stop going to church. There was one instance that one of our mentors was talking to, you know, First Lady and I recently about a family that even the sons became atheists when they got to, you know, was it maybe the U.S. or Canada? I can't even remember. The children had literally walked out on God because the God they grew up to know is a God that meets needs. Now, God wants to meet your needs, but that is not his ultimate goal. So when they got to a system where the government can meet the needs they were praying for in Nigeria, they felt there is no need for God anymore. But one thing you and I need to understand is that God's ultimate goal is to make you more like Jesus. When you become like Jesus, all your needs will be met. Because there was no need that Jesus had that was not met. Romans chapter 8 and verse 29, if you can have it on the screen. Romans 8 and verse 29. Romans 8 and verse 29. In the King James Version, the Bible says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Let's have the other translation you guys have. I think that would be more explanatory. I think that should be the HC, all right? It says, For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So that it will be the firstborn among many brothers. The Passion Translation puts it this way. It says, for he knew all about us before we were born. And he destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son. This means the son is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters who will become just like him. When Jesus needed to pay his taxes, right? And he did not have cash or coins or whatever they used at that time. He gave Peter an instruction, told him what to do. And that instruction produced the money that was needed to pay that tax. When they were in the midst of the storm and he was asleep and the disciples were afraid for their life. With one instruction speaking to the storm, the Bible says there was a calm. When he was faced with a, you know, challenge, a major challenge as it were, to feed 5,000 people. And the, all they had was five loaves and, you know, maybe two fishes or thereabout. Jesus knew what to do. He was never stranded. And so what that simply means is that when you and I, when we become more like Jesus, we will get to a point in our lives 
whereby whatever need you may have, whether material, financial, career, business, marital, whatever the need may be, you will know what to do in that situation to meet that need. And so our focus should not just be on the meeting of the needs. Our focus should be on getting to know and developing a relationship with the meter of the needs. That's God's ultimate goal. That's what the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 3 to 4. It says that the will of God is for all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. He said this is his will. This is that which is acceptable in his sight. That all may be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Of the truth. Because when you give your life to Christ, your spirit is reborn. But you are not yet like Christ. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why when Jesus, right, was still alive with his disciples, they never saw the disciples and said they were like Jesus. It was after the passage of time, after Jesus had resurrected, ascended, the Bible says that they saw the disciples in Antioch and they said, these ones are Christians. It simply means there were things they began to see about their life that conformed to the way Jesus did things. And I strongly believe that this is a message that the church needs to hear in this age and time because we are gradually getting to that time that age whereby the only reason why people are passionate about God passionate about church is what God can do for them and we see that in even our slogans you see it's not about what God can do it's about who you are becoming like I've told us a couple of times, success is not what you pursue. It is what you attract as a result of who you have become. When you become a kind of person, the things you are running after. You see, for the very first time, I got the revelation this week I'd never seen before. And I've been reading that passage of the Bible. You know, the Bible says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. We all remember the story of Abraham, right? When God told him to sacrifice Isaac. How many of us remember that story? Okay, I don't want to go into it because... I'm still just doing an introduction. I've never got into my message. God told Abraham to sacrifice the son that he had waited for all his life. And the Bible says that when his son asked him, Dad, this is the fire, this is the wood. What about the sacrifice? He said, the Lord will provide. Now, when he was about to sacrifice Isaac, the Bible says God told him to stop. And God told him, look behind you. I never saw that part of the scripture before. He said, you will see a ram caught in a ticket. Now, please wait. This is where I'm going. God said, look behind you. It simply means as he was walking towards the will of God, the ram was coming behind him. The ram was not before him. That's what the Bible says. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow you. So as he was walking towards fulfilling what God had told him, obeying the instruction, what he needed in that season of his life was coming after him. Friends, I'm going to say this until you get it. You see, as a pastor, my goal is not to preach many messages. It's for you to be established in the truth. There are certain things that we establish until you get it right. See, let your hustling come to an end. That's what the Bible says in Matthew 6 and verse 33. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and every other thing will be added. What that simply means is that when you are pursuing God, other things will be following you. The question is, how come Abraham did not hear the the walking, the bleating of the ram as it was following him. Was it an invisible ram? We don't know. When we get to heaven, I'll ask God. But at least the Bible says it was behind him. Because if it was behind him, if it was there, it means it must have passed by it. For him not to have seen it before, it means it was not there when he passed by that place. Let me tell you this. God cares about you. Learn to trust him. Don't go after things. That's the generation in which we are now. It's about things. I'm sorry to say, but even many of our prayers, the, you see, it's not, uh, you see, uh, the, uh, I heard some people have been saying, oh, there, is a, there is an awakening, a prayer revival in the land. I don't agree. The reason I don't agree is when you see those, most of those prayers, the reason people are joining those online prayers, go and check most of those prayers. It's about what God can do for them. 
can do. So as far as I'm concerned, that's not a that's not a prayer awakening. That's not a revival. Because when a revival, a prayer awakening happens, you will pray because you want to spend time with God, not because you want God to do something for you, not because you want Him to kill certain enemies, not because you must get a job during the course of the week. You will be like Brother John. You remember that story. For those of us that have not had the story, let me tell you the story. The story is told that there was a man, his name is John. A Jim Jim brother, but very broke. But he loves the Lord. So he, he worships in this, you know, very conservative church where, you know, you, you don't pray too loud, you don't dance too much, you know. Now some people had issues with our praise party last week. <laughs> I hope you are not one of them. <laughs> So a minister, a senior minister was coming to that particular church. So the elders of that church called Brother John because Brother John would always dance uncontrollably in service. He does not care. <laughs> so they called him Brother John. Our senior minister is coming. He's coming Sunday. We can see that you need to change your shoes. Brother John, if you comport yourself next week Sunday, we buy you a shoe. Brother John was excited. So that day came, the Sunday. Praise and worship was going on. <laughs> the music was, ah, Brother John was just shaking. <laughs> they will look at him, Brother John. He got the message. He will stand and be clapping. At the point, Brother John just exploded. said, shoe or no shoe? I will praise the Lord. <laughs> be like Brother John. Shoe or no shoe, praise God. Shoe or no shoe, serve God. Shoe or no shoe, love God. Job or no job, love him. So let me tell you this, some of us, our destinies are so great that there are certain things God is holding back from you in the immediate. Because if he lifts you to a level without loving him, when you get to that level, you will self-destruct. We self-destruct. I've seen people, these are not things that I hear. I've seen people that, see, let me tell you, these things are real. There are some success, a level of success that can become a cause. Money is a spirit. The only thing God compared themselves to in scripture is mammon. Mammon simply means the god of money. If you don't love God, mammon will control you. There's a level of money that can come into your hand and a level of comfort that too. You, do, you, you just come to that awareness, a demonic awareness that God is no longer important. Because the things that God should do, most of them, you can do it with money. Now if you, what, what, what's, what's, what's God? I, I, I can now join service online. You know, I don't need to be physically present. Really. God's big brother. Continue. There is God. So I just want to give someone that understanding this morning. In the second half of this year, reinvent yourself. Become that man, become that woman that serves God, that loves him. You see, when you serve and you love God, things will be added to you. You will get things, but don't let that be the primary focus. Am I making sense this morning? Are you loving what I'm saying? The church is quiet this morning. <laughs> it was not quiet last week. Praise God. Remember, Kudret just started. Amen. All right. So this morning, let's open our Bibles to Ezra chapter 6 and verse 14. Many of us are not used to those part of the scripture. Ezra. Ah, John is Ezra. <laughs> Ezra chapter 6 and verse 14. Ezra chapter 6 and verse 14. The Bible says, So the elders of the Jews built and they prospered through the prophesying of Agai the prophet. And Zechariah, the son of Hedo, and the build and finished according to the commandment of the God of Israel and according to the command of Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes, king of Persia. Now pay attention to what happened there. The Bible says they built and, and prospered out through the prophesying of Agai, the prophet. I think I mentioned something about this during Kudre revival. But how do they prosper? Through, is it that the prophets were carrying the brick and the mortar, the cement with them? No. The prophets were declaring words. 
In the beginning, when God wanted to build as a twelve the earth, the first thing God did was not to form things. The first thing he did was to speak things. Because even in the making of man, I want you to realize if you study your Bible, you see there that God created man twice. In Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says, God said, let us make man in our own image. So in chapter 1, there was the making of man. In chapter 2, the Bible says, and the Lord formed man. So the first creation was in the declaration. The second creation was in the forming, the physical aspect. And so for every smart believer, you must understand that everything you are going to build, your business, your career, your marriage, must be built on the foundation of the prophetic. And I'm going to give us understand that's what this is all about. It's supposed to be a two-part series. It must be built on the prophetic. And when I say the prophetic, I know in this age and time, everybody is a prophet. Everybody. And we need to be careful. And that's one of the things I want to give us understanding of in this message series, this two-part series. Because it's not everybody that says they are a prophet that is a prophet. There is the office of a prophet. And the fact that someone makes the prophetic declaration does not mean that they are a prophet. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because there are fivefold offices according to the scriptures. There's the apostle, there's the evangelist, there's a the pastor, there's the teacher, there's the prophet. Now, the fact that a pastor or a teacher, right, makes declarations does not automatically move him into the office of a prophet. The same way an evangelist has a meeting, does a crusade, he shares God's word and people get saved does not mean he's a teacher. The fact that he taught God's word does not mean he is a teacher. Don't worry, you will get it. Because some of you are looking at me like what's pastor saying this morning. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 19 to 20. Let's have it, 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 to 20. There are two short verses. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19 and 20. Let's read together, one to go. Quench not the spirit, verse 20. Despise not prophesying. Let's read again, let's read three times, one to go. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying. Two, quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying for the third time despise not prophesying so it simply means one of the way you can quench the move of the spirit in your life is by despising the prophetic do you understand what i'm saying so the bible says don't quench the spirit the next one says despise not prophesying so it simply means there are certain things god would have done in the life of certain people but because they despise is it by words is it by that so the move of the spirit stops the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1 that when the earth was without form and void, the Bible says the Spirit of God moved and God said. God said. He declared words. And as a result, everything began to fall into shape. So in the same way, we need to understand that everything God is going to do in our life is going to do in the same order. And whatever you despise, you cannot attract. You cannot attract. There are certain folks that you see, you might be so contemporary, so intelligent, that when words are declared in church, you know, you just say, uh, you know, those are one of those Pentecostal activities. No, it's not. It's not. Especially when you notice, you see, if you are a sensitive person, you will know when there is a switch. You will know when there is a switch. And it is wisdom when those words come forth to dive into it because something has shifted. Primarily, I'm a teacher, even before I'm a pastor. My first office is that of a teacher, then a pastor. But I know when I move into the prophet because most times it's not even what I plan to do. And if you are sensitive, you will know that something has shifted in the atmosphere. When those kind of words don't you, you know, when those what kind of words come out, you don't you don't just see it as ah, I know, you know, it's, it's another part of the service because it's not. And one of the things that happened at Codred Revival was a lot of prophetic declarations were made. And you see, people can say amen, because, because I used to be like that too. Say amen, I receive it, I believe it. But months down the line, you see nothing happen. You see no reflection of the words that were declared. And you're wondering, is it that somebody is deceiving us? Is this thing just a way of exciting us? Is it a way to move us emotionally? 
Because when words like that come forth, the purpose is for them to be fulfilled. Because the Bible says concerning Samuel, it says none of his words fell to the ground. I think it was Joshua that said that every of the word that our God has promised us, he said all came to pass. And so every word that God speaks to you, especially through the one he has, you know, uh, placed over you, you must learn to cherish those words. And hold on to it like Mary said, be it unto me according to your words. In Psalms 103 and verse 7, the Bible says he made his ways known unto Moses and his acts unto the children of Israel. I strongly believe one of the ways of God in the New Testament church is the prophetic. Because we really saw that in the old covenant. It's a prophetic. And we must learn to embrace it. We must learn to embrace it. And in embracing it, we must learn to discern between the fake and the original. Because there are many fakes. And I understand the reason why some people, you know, are uncomfortable about, you know, prophecies. Because there are so many fakes. I have seen some fakes. I've not fallen victim of any. But I've seen people close to me fall victim. And let me tell you this, if you fall victim, it can mess up the trajectory of your life. What is prophecy? You might want to write this down. It is an inspired utterance that unveils God's plan and purpose for an individual or a people group. A prophecy is an inspired utterance that unveils God's plan and purpose for an individual and people group. And we need to understand that we are in the prophetic era of the church. What that simply means is that this end time church, a lot of words have been spoken concerning this age and time. And many of those words, we find it in scriptures. And we must learn to find out what God has said about his church. When I'm talking about this church, I'm talking about the body of Christ that you and I were a part of. We must find out what is God's plan for this end time church. The words it shall come to pass was mentioned 133 times in the Bible. It shall come to pass. Those are prophetic declarations. It shall come to pass 133 times. When you see things being mentioned like that over and over and over again in the scriptures, you better pay attention to it. And I want to talk to us, you know, as a foundational lane this morning. I want to skip ahead of myself this morning. I'm not supposed to talk about that until much later. But let me just, that's how the Spirit of God is leading me. There are two types of prophecies. I've spoken about this before in church, but it's been a while, you know. So I know many of us may not know it, so let me just explain it. There are two types of prophecies. Number one is concrete prophecies. And number two is conditional prophecies. Number one is concrete prophecies. And number two is conditional prophecies. Now, what are concrete prophecies? Concrete prophecies are prophecies that, whether you believe it or not, it will happen. It will happen. It does not need your faith to manifest. It does not need your faith to materialize. It does not need your faith to become a reality. Concrete prophecies are unalterable. For instance, in Matthew 24 and verse 35, Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away. It says, but my words will by no means pass away. By no means means by no means. That nothing will happen that will make those words not to come to pass. I need to understand that everything that relates with God's kingdom and his agenda for mankind is concrete. Everything that has to do with God's kingdom and his agenda for mankind is concrete. For instance, when God said to the serpent that he was going to raise a seed that would bruise his head, he wasn't talking about the child of Adam and Eve. No, he was talking about Jesus Christ. So whether people did something about it, it may be extended. But let me tell you this, it will happen. When Sodom and Gomorrah was going to be destroyed, when God said he's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, it was a concrete prophecy, they were going to be destroyed. It was only a matter of time. They were going to be destroyed. The coming of the flood in the days of Noah was a prophecy. God told Noah, before then it had never rained. That's why people didn't believe him. You know, when Noah went to the people and said, rain is coming, everybody thought he was crazy. You too, have you seen water coming from the top before? Because as I said, then it had not rained on the earth. 
We study your Bible. So nobody believed him. But God said it and Noah believed it. And God told him, build yourself an ark. God did not say build me an ark. It's for you. That's why many of the prophecies and instructions that God gives to us, even from his word, you need to understand that you are the ultimate beneficiary. Whether you obey God's word or you don't, it does not move God, it does not change him. It does not reduce your heart to him. No, 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 it doesn't. So when they said the flood was coming, the Bible says it was like the days of Noah. People were partying, celebrating, getting married without any recourse to the prophecy. They were living their lives, but that did not matter. It did not affect the fulfillment of that prophecy. Because the day eventually came, when the rain began to come, it was too late for them to respond. The only man that responded was Noah and all the animals. Even animals had more sense than human beings. The prophecy of Jesus coming was concrete. That a Messiah was going to come that will save mankind. Even the people, the nation of Israel, that he came through them, they didn't believe. They didn't believe. You know, there are many parts in Israel that they, are still, they still believe the Messiah is coming. Jesus that had come over 2,000 years ago, they still believe he has not come, that he's come. <laughs> the same way it was prophesied that Jesus will come and he came. The same way the rapture has been prophesied. You see, whether you believe it or not, and that's why the thing, the only thing the Bible compares to the rapture uh, is like the days of Noah. And you can see it already playing out. You can go to a church for one year and not, and not hear anybody make altar call. Church today is not about money. How people can break through. Break on the left and on the right. As if unbelievers don't break through. If there isn't a church that is easy for you to be financially prosperous, let's turn it into a seminar center. A church that is not passionate about reaching out to the lost is no church. It's a conference center. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because that's what the Bible says. It says the coming of Christ, the second coming, will be like the days of Noah. Where people will... You know, some people, even some believers... It's not that they can't say it in their mind. Man, this coming of Jesus, man, you see, man, it's not that. Maybe it will happen far, far, far away. It may happen now. It may happen before the end of this service. And I hope you are in right standing with God. And it may not happen for another 10 years. It may happen in our lifetime and it may not happen. But that it will not happen is a lie. It will happen. Because it's a concrete prophecy. Those are concrete prophecies. Anything that has to do with God's agenda for mankind or with his kingdom is a concrete prophecy. Whether you pray about it, whether you don't pray about it, it shall happen. It's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. That's why Revelations chapter 1 and verse 7. Let's see it. Revelations 1 and verse 7. Revelations 1 and verse 7. You see where the prophecy is? Jesus himself had to say it again when John the beloved was caught up. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 7. Let's read together. One, two, go. Behold, it does what? It comes with clouds and every what? You know, years ago, in the days of Paul and all the Bible people, when they read this, it will look impossible. How will it come in the clouds and every eye will see him? Do you know today is already possible? With internet, with satellite TV. If you see somebody coming from the sky now, it will be on CNN. You will see it on Instagram. So it is very nearer than you think. You see, every eye, we say, almost everybody now has a smartphone. Every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him. Talking about the nation of Israel. And all kindreds of the earth. It means whatever village you are, even if you are in a cave, you shall see him. It says, and they shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. Amen is not an encouragement to the benediction of a Pentecostal preacher. Amen in Greek and Hebrew simply means so be it. Just was Jesus speaking to John. I to happen because the truth is the way many people, Christians, are even living our lives. You see, when as a person we talk about some things, you know, people even say, don't judge. You know, you address something the Bible says, they say, don't judge. When you talk about things like sexual immorality, living a right lifestyle, in dressing, in conduct, it was like, and they don't judge. It's not about judging. 
If you are conscious that rapture will happen, that is a prophecy and it will happen, it's concrete. You will know this. See, let me tell you this. I've told us several times that first lady and I, we've never had a misunderstanding that lasted for six hours. You may not believe it, but it is true. She's here. I can't be lying in her presence. Huh? Now, one of the reasons it also does not happen is because I'm conscious of rapture every day. Sometimes when I want to go to sleep, even if I want to say she's wrong, she's wrong. Something just occurs to me. See, Jesus In my dialect, that's when if Jesus comes in the night. Because of petty arguments. I just I let us talk. You know, you just move on. Because I know it will happen. And the Bible says it will happen like the thief in the night. Does the thief send you an invitation letter? Except I deal criminal. That one is not thief, that one is assassin. <laughs> I just the Bible is not saying we come like an assassin. It's an assassin that will send you a letter. We will kill you <laughs> tomorrow. It's like a thief in the night. Nobody expects a thief. So it simply means Jesus will come at a time nobody is expecting. And let me tell you this this generation is not expecting him. This generation is not. Even the church in this generation is not expecting him. Number two is conditional prophecy, which is our focus in this discourse. Conditional prophecies. Because God has given every one of us the capacity to receive or refuse his plan for our lives. Conditional prophecies are determined. Their fulfillments are determined by us. So when you come to church, when you're prayed for, when the pastor switches and he declares that this is your season of this, enter into this, enter into that, that God said I should tell you this, blah, blah, blah. For instance, God's word for us in this quarter is that it's 90 days of what? Unprecedented favor. Those prophecies are conditional. So the last three months, he said it was a season of dream-like turnaround. How many people experienced it? Not because God lied, but not everybody experienced because not everybody believed it. Or not everybody did. So conditional prophecies are the ones that, you are the one that will determine whether it will happen. And let me tell you this, anything that has to do with the advancement of your life and destiny is conditional. Because God cannot impose his will on you. That's why the day he wanted to eat the fruit. God, do you think God is Eve? God is saying, ah, 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 don't eat it, Maje, Maje. God didn't say that. He saw her eating it. And he knew the effect that will occur as a result of that simple heart. But it's their choice. And you and I will still have that choice to date. You have the choice to decide that God's word will come to pass in my life or it will not come to pass. And God will not argue with you. He will love you in your stagnation and predicament, but it does not mean it will happen. So during Codred Revival, our focus was on breaking invisible barriers. Some of my disciples nah, I don't have any barrier. That's lack of awareness. But the fact that you think you don't have it may be that it's, it has become so permanent, it has an identity, that you don't even recognize it anymore. Because if somebody had walked up to that man at the pool of Bethesda, that you know this is a barrier, I said, no, I've been here for 30 years. If we even tell everybody the history of the people that came, you know, this one, it came five years ago, this one. You know people like that? Sitting at those area junctions. There's a man like that on our street. Every time I see him, I always tell I'm not comfortable with this man. He knows everything happening on the streets. Because he has no work. He just sits idly by. And people like that are dangerous. Because if people want information about you, they're the ones that we ask. So the prophetic word for every season is conditional. It's conditional. See, this is not just a message that is needed for a post-codred experience. It's a message needed for you as a believer. So that none of God's words over your life will fall to the ground. Joshua 24 and verse 15. The Bible says, Joshua speaking to the children of Israel. He said, if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord. He said, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. So even though God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt so that they will serve him. That's Joshua 24 and verse 15. Even though he brought them out to serve him, it was still conditional for them to serve him. God did not force them to serve him. The same way as believers, we are supposed to be serving him in this age and time. If you sit in church for 30 years and you don't serve God, God will not beat you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? In the same way, if you don't tithe, like people are saying, God will cost you, he won't cost you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because it's a choice. That's, that's people using oral movie to make people do the right thing. That's not scriptural. There's no place in the Bible where God said he will cost you. 
Even Adam and Eve, when they sinned, it didn't cost them. It cost the ground for their sake. Read the Bible. God does not cost what he has made. But there are certain things will happen in your life when you are working in disobedience. It's a lie. It's not happen. But God will love you in that predicament. You will stay there. He will wait for you till the day that you will turn around. Why people don't manifest prophecies? Why prophecies don't come to pass in people's life? Number one is unbelief. 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 That's why in Luke 22 and verse 32, Jesus said, I've prayed for you that your faith fail not. I've prayed for you. Your faith is very important in the fulfillment of prophecies. In the fulfillment of what God has said concerning you for every season. Your faith is very important. He said, I've prayed for you that your faith fail not. And when you are converted, strengthen your brethren. Because unbelief, if you don't believe what has been said in the first place, it can't happen. If you believe, ah, the pastor was on ginger today. Ah, pastor was just dropping words to you. That's what is happening. Some people are so carnal-minded that they judge everything that happens, even in this in a spiritual atmosphere, the carnal way. Ah, the pastor was just dropping today. Ah, comparing pastor to Bonner Boy in Madison Square. You know, just ah, pastor was on high today. Ah, ah, see, shush, everybody, eh, people were just dancing today. That's all you saw last week Sunday. People were just dancing. That is good though. Ah, was giving us back to back. He was giving you. You didn't see it as a prayer session. No canal mindedness. Unbelief. Unbelief. Many of the things that will happen in your life, if you don't deal with unbelief, it will never happen. You must believe. That was the difference between Zechariah and Mary. Zechariah, you have been believing God for years for a child. The angel now came and said, now is the time for the fulfillment. Uh, how will it happen? Say, ah, why are you not praying for it to happen? This guy, this guy is talking. We must make sure he's deaf. God did not send the angel to make him deaf. The angel had delivered the message. Your wife will be pregnant in her whole day. As he kept talking, he said, if this guy keeps talking like this, he will talk himself out of this promise. He just said, you will be deaf. That was not part of the message. The angel took initiative. This guy, the way this guy is talking. But Mary, they showed up. Mary was not expecting. So you will be pregnant with the son of God. He said, eh, I don't understand, but be it unto me according to your. See, that should be your approach. There are many things my mentors, my pastor have said to me that I don't understand. In fact, I don't even believe. But the moment I notice unbelief, I just said, be it unto me according to your words. That's one of the ways to kill unbelief. I don't understand it. I don't know how it will happen. But Father, if you have sent them to me, be it unto me according to their words. So if you're going to experience the fulfillment of prophecies, you must get unbelief out of the way. You must get it out. You must get it out. Hmm. The second reason why prophecies are unfulfilled is impatience. Impatience. Hebrews 6 and verse 12, the Bible says, The followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Hebrews 6 and verse 12, The followers of them who through faith and patience. Faith works with patience. If you are an impatient person, you will not see the fulfillment of God's promises. If it does not happen now, it is not good. <laughs> see, there are certain things that God has said that will happen immediately. Some will happen eventually. And no matter how depressed, frustrated you are, it won't make God do immediately what he has planned to do eventually. It won't. Ah, God, don't look at me like this. All those things are emotional things people get to in the place of prayer. God does not respond to emotions. He responds to his word and to faith. Ah, God, don't look at me like, God, where are you? He is where he was when his son was being crucified. And Jesus said the same thing. My father, my father, why have you forsaken me? And God didn't do anything. Because according to divine order, he must die on that cross. What if God said, oh, my son, my son, I'm feeling your pain, we are calm down. And now we can't be saved. Impatience. Impatience. This generation of believers are impatient. No thanks to social media. You know, years ago when things happened in your friend's life, you didn't know until you saw them. But now as it's happening, you are seeing it. 
Many people too who are not discerning, who put their all their life on social media. You know, today if you want to kidnap many people, it's very easy. I don't know why those guys are just kidnapped. You want to just go on social media. People want to kidnap, they are easy. There are plenty. You know where some people's children, you know their school. Just check the logo of the child's uniform. They've posted everything. You know the car that will drop the child when they will pick the child. All their life history said they are doing lifestyle blogging. That's lifestyle foolishness. People also don't experience the fulfillment of prophecies because of toxic association. Toxic association. Let me tell you this. There are certain prophecies that if it is going to be fulfilled, you have to get rid of some people in your life. Or else some of God's promises will never happen. You look at someone like Jonathan. Jonathan told David, his friend, he said, I know that God has removed my dad as the king and you are the next king of Israel. He said to the throne, said that. That's discernment. That's spirituality. He was supposed to be the king, but he knew that, no, 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 no. He's my friend that's supposed to be king. God has anointed him, not me. And he now went further to say, I will be next to you. That is God's agenda. But you know what the stupid boy did? The person that you know God has anointed, you left him. And you went to meet your father that God has left. He died the death of Saul that he was not supposed to die. There was no way it was written in the Bible that Jonathan was supposed to die with Saul. That relationship with his father was a toxic association. Because God had left his father. And he knew. So there are some of us, there are are certain prophecies hanging over your life. Some of us, there are destinies because destinies are not equal. That's just the truth. Some of us, the kind of calling that is on your life. There are certain things that it is in retrospect I'm getting to understand. Because growing up, there were things my mom just never allowed me to do. Never. She said, you don't know who you are. You don't know the child of whom you are. I never knew me, because my mother to play, but said, no, you are not playing ball. Whoopi. That's one of the reasons I don't watch football till date. Because one day I sat myself down. I said, why will I be getting beaten every day because of football? Remove school uniform, play for that. I said, ah, beat me. He said, you are more than this. That woman saw something. As a result, I said, there are some people you can't relate with on the streets. There are some people's house you cannot go to because she saw something. Let me tell you this. You can't relate with everybody and expect certain prophecies to come to pass in your life. It doesn't happen. And also prophecies don't come to pass, number four, because of immaturity. Or what I call stunted growth. Stunted growth. Some people just refuse to grow. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 1 to 2 is one of my favorite scriptures. Let's have it on the screen. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 1 to 2. Can we all read it together? All eyes on the screen, please. Let's all read it together. One to go. Now I say that the heir, as long as what? Is a child. Is not different from what? A servant. Even though he's lord of all. But he's under tutors and governors until the time appointed by who? So you are not the one that will tell us we have grown. It's the father that will certify your growth. And it says, as long as you are a child, even though everything belongs to you, it won't come to you. So as a believer, when you refuse to grow, what happens is that your experience will not be different from that of someone that is not even saved. He said, even though he's Lord of all, yet he will be subject to tutors and governors until he decides to grow up. The heir, as long, did you say that? As long as he's a child. As long, it simply means if he decides to stay a child, the blessing, the prophecies will also stay hanging. As long, as long as a child. So it's not about a biological process he's talking about here. It's not growing up that it's not growing old that's talking about it. It's growing up because growing old and growing up are two different things. Growing old is a natural phenomenon. Growing up is a deliberate initiative. All you need to grow old is to keep breathing. Just keep breathing, you grow old. There are certain prophecies that will not happen until you grow into it. That's why Jesus did not save mankind at the age of 12. He didn't die on the cross at 12. Neither did he do at 15 or 20. There were certain things that did not happen in the life of Joseph until he grew into the kind of person that knew how to talk. 
When he was 17, God gave him a dream. He was sharing it all around. He didn't understand information management. You will know he had grown because eventually the same brothers, when he saw them years later, he didn't say, ah, Ruben, Ruben, Judah, Judah, the dream has not been fulfilled. The Bible says he kept quiet. And he began to observe them. That's growth. So what are the practical steps you need to take in manifesting the prophecy? What are the practical steps? On Wednesday, I'm going to talk about how to recognize a fake prophecy from an original prophecy. I'm going to talk about that on Wednesday. So what are the practical steps to take? Because understand this, you are responsible for the manifestation of the prophetic word in your life. Not the pastor. Not the one God used to give you the prophetic word. You are. You are responsible. You are responsible. Because the same prophetic word that everybody received, some will produce results with it, some will not produce results. So the problem cannot be with the seed, it cannot be with the sower. The difference is in the soil, is in the ground, is in the heart. That's why the Bible says the sower went forth, he sowed seed. He said some fell on stony ground, some fell by the wayside, some fell among tongues, some fell on good ground. And even the one that fell on good ground, he said some brought 30 fold, some brought 60 fold, another 100 fold. So even with a good heart, your heart is not good at the same level. Your receptivity. So the first step to take is this don't try to fulfill the prophecy in the flesh. <laughs> this one is very important. Don't try to fulfill it in the flesh. What does that mean? A classic example is Abraham. God told Abraham, I'm going to give you a son. <laughs> I'm going to become a father of many nations. Abraham must have been checking. That's why I said one of the reasons it doesn't happen is because of impatience. Abraham must have been checking. Ah, first year. Hey. God has forgotten. And as he was thinking, he said that he was thinking it. It seems as if God has forgotten this prophecy. I was thinking the same. Thing. Time is going. Well, look at that. My house girl. She, her body still, her womb should still be intact. At least she's mine. By law, she's my property. So whatever comes from her is mine. So go into the other room and make something happen. That decision, their impatience, is still one of the major problems of the world in it. See one of the major problems. Because God said, the blessing was already on Abraham. So God said, even though this is not it, ah, but because it came out of you, I will bless him. As so no matter what you say about the Arab world, the Middle East, they are blessed because it came out of Abraham. God still blessed it because the blessing was already on Abraham. But God said, no, 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 this is not what I said. And the Bible said God was silent for over a decade. He left Abraham. Oh, you want to fulfill it yourself? No problem. God now waited until the point where the Bible says Sarah's womb was dead. So at this point, I want to see what you will do. Maybe you can do it by yourself. That was the same thing that happened to Uzziah. God had already given an instruction. Everybody knew in the law. Except you are a priest. You don't touch the ark. Uzziah saw the Ark of Covenant. He just said, ah, let me help God. God said, no, 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 no. You have broken it. Bam! He died immediately. He said, it's my instruction. It's not in your place. You would have allowed it to fall. And I would have held the priest responsible. Did you know that God rejected Saul? Not because he even disobeyed God. It was because he stepped into an office he was not called into. Because he had been disobeying God. God didn't take the throne away from him. They were supposed to go into battle. The Bible says he was supposed to make a sacrifice. And Samuel was not showing up. The Bible says he entered into Samuel's office. Offered the sacrifice. And as he finished, Samuel showed up. Please be careful of this ideology in this generation that says we are all the same. We are not. We are equal as children of God, but our offices and roles are different. Samuel said, what have you done foolishly? What have you done foolishly? You just made a foolish, as it? Is the ultimate demonstration of foolishness. You've been foolish all this while, but this one, uh, God can't shut his eyes against it. Because even the sons of Aaron, his sons of, that are supposed to be, they are Levites, they are supposed to take over from Aaron after his death. The Bible says there was a day they went into the inner court and they offered a strange offering. The Bible says, and God smote them, the sons of the prophet. This is the generation we need to get a lot of things right. 
So the first key is ensure you don't try to fulfill. See, God gave the prophecy. Let him show you how to fulfill it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Don't be doing calculus. Huh? Permutation and combination. If I do this, I do this. Ah, because they have said it is our season of favor. What can I do? You know, that will make me come and share. See, if testimony is not there, don't give fake testimony. If it's not there, it's not there. In fact, you are even elongating the process by lying. You know, there are people who give no lie, who give fake testimonies. That's one of the things we do in this world. You have a testimony, write it. Because I will read it and question you. I'm not one of the pastors that will say, you know, I just dig and, and I, I just got a, a 50 million naira profit. Ah, we say fantastic. What did you do, sir? Oh, we ask you. How we ask you. You can't do Yahoo, make profit for and say that one is profit. You will explain it. You must. Else you can't say we will not read it out. And there's money we don't understand because we have to understand it. Oh, praise the Lord. I did not know how it would happen, but I just believe God. And God just did it. How, sir? How? How? There must be a how. There must be something you did. God does not just do things like that. Oh, my name is Noah. Praise the Lord. There was a flood. It wiped out the whole earth, and God saved me. That testimony is not complete. The only way that testimony can be complete is God gave me an instruction to build a ark. I built it, and I entered. Because if Noah built the ark and he did not enter, he would have died also. So many of the testimonies people give in church is not even helpful to anybody because there are no principles to derive from that testimony. So you can't help somebody else. Don't try to fulfill it in the flesh. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 3. Let's see. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 3. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 3. Can we read together? One to go. Are you so foolish, having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Did you see that? Say it is foolishness. Something that started in the spirit. You now want to do it in the flesh. You're not the one that gave the prophecy. You're not the one that said, oh yeah, God, give me prophecy. Give me prophecy. After God now give, I said, well, now, I will now go and No, 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 no. It began in the spirit. Let it be accomplished in the spirit. It was not Abraham that went to tell God, God, give me prophecy. Give me. No, no, no. It was God that told him, I will make you a father of nations. And change his name. He should have gone back to God when things were not forthcoming. God, what do I need to do? Is there something I need to do that I'm not getting right? And one of the things he got wrong was that he took Lot along. Because when Lot, Lot means a veil. As long as Lot was in his life, he would not hear God. He would not hear the next step. Because the Bible says, and the Lord said unto Abraham, after Lot was departed from him. Some of you, there are people leaving you, you are crying. God is separating them from you so that you can hear him. Number two step is believe the prophetic word. Believe it. Believe it. The word you don't believe can't happen. The word you don't believe cannot happen. You know, some people have gotten so used to the fact that, you know, especially if you've been in a church for a while, you say, oh, it is our year. It will be honest as believers. When you say, it is 2022, our year of this. In how many people's life does it happen? Let's be honest. You know why? We have gotten familiar with it. Familiarity is proof of unbelief familiarity because once you get used to something you no longer believe in that thing so you get used to it believe in the prophetic word believe in the prophetic word believe it believe it believe it philemon 1 14 it says without your consent i would do nothing without your mind i would do nothing that's how the king james version puts it <laughs> believe it friends believe it and don't just believe the word. Believe the vessel through which it came. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why, see, let me tell you this. That's why sometimes it seems as if <laughs> when you hear a new preacher, the word sounds deeper than the words of your pastor. You know why? You have gotten used to your pastor. But someone that you had only once a year, he seems more anointed than your pastor. So you believe more what he says. And let me tell you this, that's an anathema. Because you know why? God will not put the breast milk meant for a baby in the breast of another woman apart from the mother. The greatest nourishment of a believer is in the hand of the shepherd of that sheep. 
So most of the reason why the word does not come to pass is people don't even believe the vessel through which it came. Especially if it is through your pastor. Uh, your pastor. Some people even already know some words. So pastor will say it now. will say he will say, is it that it happens or it happens? You see, I now say, this year, is it that it happens? I said it. Ah, pastor. Oh, my own prophetic word, pastor. I know pastor's prophetic words. That's why it's not happening. That's why it's not happening. Because you have become so familiar. There are some things my pastor has been saying for years. He will say it again. And I say amen and receive it like the first time he said it. Because the fact that he said it once doesn't mean that's the fact. It may be a reminder that God wants me to. Like on Wednesday, I think it was Brother Abayomi that was saying that some of the things Papa said, they were things that Reverend said in January. I was talking about speed. Reverend said the same thing in January. Papa said, ah, we've had this. No, is God trying to remind you? And that was what he said. That's the right attitude. That's why you see several times in the Bible. Why did you think we have the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Because almost of what Matthew said is what Mark said. God is trying to emphasize certain things. There are some parables that you see in Matthew, you still see in Luke and John. Maybe Luke skipped it, but Mark will emphasize it again. God is trying to bring your attention, especially when you notice that something is repetitive in scriptures. God is trying to put your attention to it because you may easily miss it. Believe in the vessel. Believe in the vessel. Hmm. Believe in the vessel. When God wanted to give the woman, um, the woman of Zarephah wanted to sustain her in the time of famine, it was not God that appeared to her personally. He sent Elijah. If she had not believed in Elijah, which is what this generation is trying to achieve, uh, to disconnect the pew from the pulpit. So if you can discredit the pastor that what every pastor wants is your money, it's not about the pastor, it's about you. In case you don't know. It's about you. Because the moment you can stop believing, the Bible says, believe in the Lord your God and you'll be established. Second Chronicles 20 and verse 20. It says, believe also his prophet and you will prosper. God did not say believe in. I thought God should have said, believe in the Lord your God and you shall prosper. No, 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 no. He said you will be established, but the prosperity matter for every believer is in their level of belief and faith in the one I've sent to them. So they make you believe, oh, every pastor is this, every pastor is that, is what you want. So, so unconsciously you become suspicious and you can't believe in someone you are suspicious of. You can't. You can't. So you must believe the word. Believe it. If it were this age and time, they would have said, ah! A wicked prophet demands the last meal of a widow in a time of financial crisis. It would have trended. But question, did Elijah, did God send Elijah to the widow because of Elijah? No. It was because of the woman. Because God was already feeding Elijah in a supernatural way through ravens. So God could have done that throughout the famine. If she had not believed Elijah, she would have died of hunger. They said, oh, this fake pastor. Let me tell you this. You just answered the question. Fake pastor. Have you seen 2,000 Naira notes before? Fake 2,000. Have you seen it before? Why haven't you seen a fake one? Because there's no real one. The existence of the fake is proof the original exists. So he said, fake pastor, fake pastor. There can be no fake pastor if there are no real pastors. There can be no fake prophets if there are no real prophets. Because the fake needs the original to exist. And number three, as I round up this morning, keep the prophetic word before you. Keep the prophetic word before you. One of the things the media team has done is all the prophetic declarations throughout Code Red Revival, the five days, they put it together. It's on YouTube for those of us that prefer visual. It's on the website for those of us that prefer audio. Download these things. Ah, you see, a word you don't remember may not happen. You have to remember. What has God said to you? What has he promised? What word did he say directly to you? If you don't remember, how will it happen? How will you place a demand on it? Keep the prophetic word before you. And how you do that is by documenting it. Document it. There is something that happens when you put pen to paper. Document the word. Document the word. Especially so many words were given. There are certain words that will jump out to you that addresses your own issue. Every word, and I'm going to explain this more on Wednesday. Every word may not be for you. 
But there are some that will jump and say, ah, this is me, this is me. Those kind of words, you keep it before your face. You keep it before you document it. That's how to keep it before you document it and possibly get pictorial representations of prophetic words. What does that mean? Maybe a prophecy, you know, resonates with you and it is about something God has been telling you. Get a pictorial representation, a picture of something that each time, or something that anytime you see it, it reminds you of that prophetic word. That's why God told Abraham, he said, come out of the tent. He said, look at the stars. He said, when you look at the stars, he says, as many as those stars, so will the number of your descendants be. Those, those were pictorial representations. God said, look at the sand on the seashore. He said, those sons, he said, as many as those sons, he said, can you count them? Of course, nobody can do that. He said, those will be the number of your descendants. Has it not happened today? Because when you give your life to Christ, you become a spiritual descendant of Abraham. That's why Galatians 3 and 13 to 14, right? It tells us about that. It tells us about the blessing of Abraham that comes upon the Gentiles when we get saved. So every time Abraham will come out, even though he didn't have one child yet, Every time we will come out of his tent and see the stars, he will remember the prophetic word. He will remember God's promise to him. So my encouragement to you, put these two st- um, three things to work. Put them to work as we continue on Wednesday. Put these things to work. Keep the word before you. Go back to those messages. Listen to them. Kodras should not end on Sunday. It just started, like I told the workers in the house. It just started. Get the message. Listen to them. There were things that you thought you heard. But you did not hear. You did not hear. Because one minute, one second of distraction can make you lose a train of thoughts. You thought you heard it. It may be that time maybe you got a notification on your phone. You quickly checked it. Something was said that you missed. Go back. Document those prophetic words. And lay hold on it. Father, in the